0: we are affected by what we take in. The world around us affects our thinking and affects our heart. So today we're going to continue on the same passage with this next very powerful verse. So let's look at it together. If you want to turn to Matthew 6 in your Bible or on your device, this would be a good time to pull out the outline notes. It's on there if you'd like to follow along, fill in the blanks. My son came last night with my, my wife. And she wasn't filling in the blanks, and he scolded her. So it's up to you. You're free. You don't have to. I, don't, I, 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 can't, I can't do both things at once, listen and write. But if you want to, it's there. Um, so pull that out. But the, the um, verses are on there too. So here we go. Matthew 6:24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, this is important. The word serve here has a meaning that we can't miss. See, serve is not talking about mere dedication that leads to devoted work. The word used in the original Greek indicates the work of a slave, not just a mere dedicated worker. Instead of asking for devotion, it is describing the belongingness to one master. You cannot belong to more than one master. This level of loyalty cannot be divided. It must be dedicated only to one. Jesus is stating a pure and simple truth. You can truly only have one master over your heart and over your actions. So last week, we talked about the importance of what we take in. This week, Jesus is talking about the importance of what we live out. Then interestingly, when Jesus calls for a dedication and soul devotion, he doesn't pair up God against Satan. Instead, Jesus warns us about a different challenge. Doesn't warn us that we're going to worship Satan, but instead the lure and attraction to money, the alignment of our heart to money. Our actions that follow our money, belonging not to Him, but to our money. Well, historically, we the people, we agree with this. 1861, over 150 years ago, a minister of the gospel wrote an appeal letter to the United States Secretary of Treasury. And he urged him to fix a problem with our currency. He said this we seriously overlook the recognition of the almighty God in some form on our coins. So as a result, the secretary of the treasury, just seven days later, writes a letter to the director of the Mint, who's in charge of where they make the money. And he gives him this charge. Dear sir, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God, or safe except in his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our national coins. Powerfully said, "No nation strong except one way, no nation safe except one way." So this is what led to those four powerful words that is included on every bill, every coin that you can find in your pocket that says, "In God, we trust." See, in this one phrase, in God we trust, is a declaration of alignment with one master. And it's written on the very object that Jesus warns us not to have any conflicting alignment with. Right there for all of us to see is a constant reminder. Seems simple, right? It's right there. Well, let me ask you this. Does our country's use of money seems simple right now. Let me ask this, what about your personal finances? Do they seem simple? See, I remember a time when it was very simple for me. I was about 20 years old, had a simple job. I was a nanny for three kids. And I know I don't look like your typical nanny. (laughs) Most of the time they, they don't employ six foot four large men. However, I did have hair back then, so maybe I looked more nanny-like. I'm not sure what that looks like, but. but it was simple hours, simple pay, all so I could work just enough to cover my bills, and I could spend the rest of the time on campus with a ministry at OSU. I didn't make much, but hey, I didn't need much. Well, I remember it would come down to faith many months to whether I would have enough to cover my bills. And one month in particular stands out to me. I cashed my check, and I had all my money in my pocket. Literally, all the money I had in the world in just one pocket. So I took care of all the bills that I had except for the last two, my car insurance and my rent. So I called my dad to see what I owed for car insurance because I was still on his policy at the time, and I pulled aside what I needed, and I gave it to him. And then I slowly counted the remaining to see what was left for rent. I know now that you're not supposed to leave rent as the last thing you pay. (laughs) I was 20, all right? But as I counted the bills, I came to the end, and I found that I had the exact amount. I was thrilled. Yet another month where he had taken care of everything. So I go trotting into Kroger to get my money order. And as I approached the counter a shocking revelation hit me. I had to buy <laughs> a money order. And I was out of cash, except exactly what I needed for rent. Well, at that time, money orders were 49 cents. So my first thought was just to ask somebody, can I have 49 cents? <laughs> and then I remembered that there was change for my check. So I started fishing in my pocket, that Kroger employer just standing there watching me and I quickly sifted through the lint and the tic-tacs and (laughs) I had the pile of coins I laid them out and I quickly counted them and I found out that I had exactly 49 cents so my heart leapt knowing God had provided to the penny exactly what I needed God is good right but well, let's be honest. We know that God doesn't always work that way. I mean, I, get, I would guess, as you listened to my story, you were thinking, like I do now, wow, that's a great story. But, and we finished that sentence one of a couple ways. Thinking, that's a great story, but you can't provide for a family like that. There's medical bills. There's food. They need lots of things. They need security and stability. That's a great story, but you can't provide all that you need to provide. Or maybe you're thinking this. That's a great story, but you need to earn more. You're below your capacity. What you're doing, you need to apply yourself more, and you could earn a great income. That's a great story, but you need to earn all you can earn. Or maybe your thought is this, that's a great story, but you need to save. I mean, you're crazy. You have no margin, no bank account. That's a great story, but you need to save all you can save. Or maybe you're thinking like this, that's a great story, but you need to spend. I mean, you got no money, you can't go to a movie. What's the point of going to the mall if you can't buy anything? And what's the point of going to Amazon if you can't click buy? <laughs> That's a great story, but you need to spend all you can spend. Am I right? Some of you are thinking provide all you can provide or earn all you can earn or save all you can save or spend all you can spend. So when you think about what drives you with money, what is your response? Think about that. I mean, have you found yourself saying this? If I only had more, then I could. I mean, if I if I only had a little bit more, then I could. I mean, if I were to have you finish this sentence, what would you say? If I had more money, then I could blank. Write in your notes, fill that out. What, what, what's your answer? If I had more money, then I could. Work less, (laughs) be with family more, move in that house that you really want, what about get a better car, give more, or be more secure, I mean what is it for you? We hear about these really, really rich people, right? Really rich and then they lose it all, they lose everything. And what do we think? That would have never happened to me. No, sir. I mean, if I would have had just a little of that, I would have made sure that I had everything I need. I would have made it so I was set for life. I'd be free to do whatever I want. Am I right? Do you think like me? Well, let me state these same responses that we had to my story a different way. When you have these visions of set for life, and free to do whatever you want. Which of these philosophies do you subscribe to? Once, once I have a little more security, then I'll have more freedom. Or just a, a little more income, then, then, then I have more freedom. Or if I could just say just, just a little more, then I will have more freedom. I just need just this stuff. I mean, just 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 a couple more things, and then I will have more freedom. See, in essence, all of these point to the same thing. More money equals more freedom. It's how we think. More money equals more freedom. And have you ever noticed that more always wants more? More always, always, always wants more. Getting to more never comes, no matter what the amount. More always wants more. And I would suspect that you're like me. You didn't wake up one day and and say, you know what would give me more freedom? I just need some more money. Hey, honey, wake up. I figured it out what we need, just a little more money. We didn't just flip that switch one day. No, I think Jay, last week, showed us what really happened. See, I went from a guy who needed little, fishing around in my pocket, looking for that 49 cents to a heart looking for much more I got there from watching the world around me that keeps telling me that more is what I need that more will solve it all my simple life now complex all because I need more how did I get there well, Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, I think gives great insight to this. So if you want to turn there with me to Galatians 2, it's also in your notes. In this letter, when he speaks of true freedom versus the choices they were making, he's specifically talking about whether you need to be circumcised. But this principle of true freedom rings true for our situation here today, too. So let's look at this. Galatians 2 4 through 5, you can follow along in your notes. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. See, Paul was warning us that people around us even People among us might tempt us into believing that something else is what we truly need. They would seek not to have us worship Satan, no, but to have us brought back into slavery, devotion to something else besides God. He warns us that it's sneaky happens in secret, that just kind of slips into our lives, and the next thing you know, our heart. Is divided. We start to seek more of something else, therefore becoming slave to it. Paul declares that the truth of the gospel is the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. More Jesus equals more freedom. Amen. 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 Let me say it again: More Jesus equals. More freedom. See, devotion to anything else is taking our freedom away. We instead are aligning ourselves with that. Money, security, stuff, status. Instead of living in the freedom we have in Christ Jesus, whenever we chase more of something else means we're chasing less Of Jesus. One master. Later in the same letter. Chapter 3 verse 3. Are you so foolish. Having begun by the spirit. Are you now being perfected. By the flesh. Do you really think freedom. Is something you can accomplish. That you can create more freedom. By earning something. Or saving something. Or getting something. If we truly believe that we've been set free by Jesus, and we accept that his gospel, that he has already done it all, yet we try to gain freedom by getting stuff, by our earnings, by security, by anything else, Then we're not truly living out the gospel. Instead, we're trying to earn our freedom, which goes against the very gospel itself, that we are free a little further in the same letter, chapter 5, very beginning, 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So when we say, if I only had a little more, then I could, we submit to the power of that object. Our devotion is bound to it. So when we subscribe to thoughts like this, if I only had a little more money, we're chasing more money. Or whatever it is we're chasing. We're no longer free to anything else. And this is why Paul urged us to preserve the gospel. Alan, I don't think I'm bound to it. Maybe I'm the exception. I'm just being faithful. That's all. Faithful steward. This might be true. Here's how I would test it. See, I am bound to my wife, no longer free. Right. <laughs> this is a good thing. But this means if I make a little decision, I consult with her a little. If I make a big decision, I consult with her a lot. I am one with her, bound together, so I talk about the actions and the choices that I'm going to make. Make sense? Well, what about us? Especially in the area of money. Who do we consult? You know, we hear about things, all the ways we can give all the time. We hear about the children in Africa, the families in Costa Rica, the missionaries going to France all the other opportunities we hear, but who do we consult? What drives our decisions about our choices and our actions? Do we first need to discover what our Discover Card statement says? We see if it's well with Wells Fargo. Express our ability based on the available credit of the American Express statement we get. Do we chase freedom by chasing the almighty dollar? See, the big question to ask yourself, am I bound to another? Am I bound to another? Listen, my hope is not to get you to subscribe to a new alternate philosophy that says, I need to give all that I can give. That would just be a new alternate weight of slavery. Don't buy into a new misdirection, even if it seems more holy. But I do not want us tricked into believing I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. See, as we embrace the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, our natural response should be the truth of the gospel needs out how can I be bound to Him and let others know how they too can truly be free? So, the gospel sinks deep in our heart. Our heart is to reflect Christ. Therefore, our actions will reflect our hearts. And the choices that we make daily create those actions. It's all connected our heart, our action, our choices. But if we're bound to another, stuck, Because our choices didn't match the freedom that we truly have, how are we living as if we're truly free? See, if we're making the same choices as everyone else, and we're living in the same bondage as everyone else, the freedom of Christ starts to lose its luster to the outside world. We need to reflect that it is for freedom that we have been set free. Our choices with money, time, resources, everything should display actions that display the heart of Christ. Amen? You say, but how? I've already made choices and I'm living with those choices, but I want my life to display the heart of Christ. My heart is tugged. Well, I don't have time to tease all this out for you but I'm going to suggest one thing. Turn your finances upside down. Turn your finances upside down. See, here's the order that we usually approach it with that puts us first. That's what drives us to be bound. Live, save, give. Otherwise said, me, future me, God and others. Whoa, whoa, wait a second, Alan, wait a second. I slice my offering right off the top. I do that first religiously. I don't know why I have an accent, but this is great. (laughs) I think it should be God first, but essentially what we can slide into doing, just slips in there, is we're making God a line item in our budget. He's first in line, but he's just one of the many in line then we live out the rest of our lives handing out our money to everyone else in line one monthly payment after one monthly payment after one monthly payment and then we hear of other ways to participate in the gospel the spirit tugs at our heart but our response is ah oh, I would if I could but I can't so I won't basically said i've allocated everything else away and there's nothing left to give there are no leftovers it's all been eaten but it's a good thing I gave you your plate first, God. Then, because of all my previous choices that are already in place, I have been forced to approach it as live, save, give. Well, I suggest turning this upside down give, save, live. Then you have God and others first, future, and then me now. Now, this difference might seem slight, it's extremely powerful. See, if we were to consult with our master first about everything, including every dollar, and ask, Lord, what would you have me do with this today? What would happen? When our hearts are tugged towards gospel effort, reaching the lost, the broken, the poor, we'd first give, and then we would live. Meaning we would obey our master daily, fully trusting that one master to help us choose the actions that reflect his heart. Now here's a warning. Life might change. Your standard of living might be reduced, but when we read in this word to sell our possessions and give, for us today, that might just mean undoing some of those choices we already made. So we have some money to give to someone else. And I know this can't happen overnight, but if we turn our finances upside down and ask God in freedom, what will you do next? I believe a revival will happen. New ways of participating will be before you, and your response to living faithful to remaining will show the world who your master is the Almighty dollar or the Almighty God. See, I know some of you already have a heart bent this way. Others, I hear how it's bending and all these cool stories with the love works and all these things that we're doing. If you live this out, give, save, live. All the freedom offered in the gospel. then freedom won't be hindered and we'll get to watch it live out. Let me share with you the kinds of things we can see happen. So there's a couple in our church Who have this heart and we were approaching the catalyst retreat that we do every year very powerful weekend great time and they knew that I offer scholarships to help people get to this powerful weekend so the wife she texted me one day asking how they can help send people and so because I love knowing how I specifically can help I told them some of the needs I said there's some leaders who need a partial scholarship I got some people who need to know Jesus, who need a full scholarship, some up-and-coming leaders who need, you know, half scholarship, this going on, and basically rattled off eight or nine different ways they could help. And I said, you tell me who or how much you want to help. About 20 minutes later, she texted me that she had talked with her husband, and they wanted to pay for all of them to go. See, they understood the need to get them there. So the first session at the retreat... Friday night, I tell the whole group, listen, you need to know that there is a couple in this church that want you here. In fact, when hearing this need, they wrote a check to pay for everybody that still needed a scholarship. Well, I could tell that night that the room was kind of jazzed by that. felt the love of Christ because of that gift. But I want you to hear more. So I want to invite Natalie up, who's at the retreat to, write, to share a letter with us that she wrote.
1: on retreat, so I would be moved to open my heart to Him. I cannot thank you enough, and please know that although I do not know your names and have never met you, that you will be in my prayers to thanks to God every day. Thank you from the bottom of my heart.
0: Love Amen. Thank you, Natalie, for sharing. Thank you for that couple who decided that their master would be Jesus Christ and his gospel. And they'd be willing to do anything, including use their finances. That day, uh, when Natalie got baptized, afterwards I went up and give her a hug. And you know what she asked me? She said, Hey, Alan, you know who gave the money to get me on the retreat, right? I said, Yes. She said, If I write them a letter, will you give it to them? That's the letter that you just heard. See, her heart immediately, immediately wanted to thank the ones that paid her way to go on the retreat where she learned about the one who paid the way for her soul. Amazing stuff. Have a new sister because people decided to give. How can we be free to serve our master, our only master? How do you need to respond Will you ask? Will you do me a favor? Just ask God to show you ways to do this so you can respond with your devotion to the one master. Will you let him break apart any other devotion? Anything else that might be hanging there? See, maybe it's realizing the stronghold that money has on your heart. Maybe you need to cut up a credit card that keeps getting you into trouble. Maybe you need to cut cable so you can sponsor a child, Makono. Maybe you just need to write a really big check that hurts a little so you can be free. Maybe you don't have much money, but you know that you yearn for it. And you just need to lay that at his feet. What is it for you? that's trying to divide your devotion. Can I ask that you receive prayer today? The prayer team is here. They would love to pray for your next step, for your heart, for anything else that's going on. We want a heart that displays the gospel. Let them pray for you so you can see the one true master in your life. Let me pray for us now. Lord Jesus, Master of all, the one that we long for, will you help us align our hearts only with you? If we straighten our devotion to anything, will you call us back to you? Will you break any other trap, calling, dedication, any pressures? We claim the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. We show us new and wonderful ways to display that to the world. Help us not to be pulled away or distracted by another. We wish to be bound only to you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen.